You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hi, everybody. This is Rick Hadrava, your host for another edition of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us today. I, I'm excited to have Toby Brown with us in the studios. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to do something a little different today. I, I want to share with you how I got to have Toby on the show today uh, because I think it's a little lesson, but I also think we'd get more from having Toby kind of give us his story rather than me try to explain it. But I'll go, I'll go through this um, story with you very quick. I am a believer in social media, and I do like to post things. Don't post them as, mu- as much as I should. But one of the things that I've learned to do over the last couple of years is to follow people. And when I find interesting people, um, people I want to learn from, people I want to connect with, I will sometimes reach out to them, and I'll DM them. Um, and just say, hey, want to connect or would like to have coffee, that kind of thing. And Toby Brown is one of those people that honestly uh, I had not met until today, really face to face. But he kept popping up in my circle and uh, was gracious enough to let me follow him. And I, I kept seeing more and more of this guy and seeing the story. And I got to tell you, I was a little bit intrigued. I had some questions. And um, I just finally thought, you know what, I'm going to reach out and see if I can get this guy on the show so we can learn more about him and what he's doing with the Brown Group. And I guess that's a lesson, I think, for anybody out there in business today is social media is great for sharing your content. Hey, heck, we're doing a podcast for a reason, right? But it's also a vehicle to connect. And at the core of business is relationship. And I think sometimes it gets lost in it. So that's my two cents for today. Let's, uh, let's move forward. Toby, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about your organization and what you're doing. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, congratulations to you. Um, quite honestly, it takes a lot of courage to have a podcast. Uh, a lot of people that have them make it look easy, but there's a lot of behind the scenes things that go on and um, uh, it's not easy. So congratulations to you on that. So obviously, yeah, my company is The Brown Group. We're a full service real estate firm, uh, vertically integrated. Uh, we do everything from um, single family home investments. Uh, we acquire them, we renovate them, um, manage them, lease them out, and we either uh, hold them long term um, or we sell them to other investors. So we're, we're fully fully integrated. Uh, we do everything in-house. And um, obviously it didn't start that way, but um, that's you know, where we've grown to today. Um, we also do commercial real estate, um, land transactions, apartments, uh, office space. So we're fully involved, fully engaged in everything real estate related. Excellent. So I, I saw, I read a little bit about your background and um, it was interesting to me that you went out, you got your MBA, um, you went the corporate route, realized like a lot of us do, that maybe that's not the thing that excites you, um, and, and you and you were gravitating towards real estate, but I'm curious why, I, I noticed that you went the realtor route, why did that appeal t- 
to you? Did you think that was your entry level or, or what? Give us a little background on that. Yeah. So I thought uh, going the agent route was going to be my introduction to real estate. And it was kind of twofold. One, um, it's going to be my, my, my way to learn more about the business, to learn about real estate, going through that, um, you know, getting your license and going through the training and education and taking the test. I mean, you have to learn. Right. right. So that was the first step. And secondly, it was going to be an avenue for me to supplement my income. Right. Because I'm, I'm always trying to find that extra stream. And so having a full time job and being able to sell real estate part time on the side, um, it was great for me again to, to get that extra income stream. So that was the idea of it going into the business. And then once I started selling, um, I got introduced to the investment side of the business. And that sparked a whole new idea, you know, in terms of the future for me in real estate. Was that one of those situations where you were the realtor for real estate investors? Um, no, it was more of a situation where I was pounding the pavement, working with buyers and sellers, out showing properties and things like that, investing a lot of time. And, you know, I realized that although the, the, the extra income stream was great, I was still having to work just as hard as I did on my job. And so my idea about you know business has always been about making um, life a little more easier and getting more ownership of my time. So it was one of those things. If I didn't get up and go sell houses, then I didn't eat. So I didn't want to trade a full time job with stability for another job that I just created. Even though I was working for myself, <laughs> it's still another job. Right. Right. And so I didn't want to rest on that. Okay. And so the investment side of it gave me a whole new slew of ideas in terms of not having to pound the pavement per se. Was it hard for you? So here you are, you're out there buying and selling real estate on behalf of other people. Mm -hmm. So now you shift your gears. You're like, look, I'm going to go do this on my own. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy. I've, mm -hmm. I, I've owned real estate. I've done deals. I still own mm -hmm. real estate. I know it's hard work. Mm -hmm. What was that transition like for you? Um, it was, it was, Somewhat difficult, I'll be honest with you, just because of all the unknowns, right? I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a coach. Um, nobody was really guiding me through these steps. I mean, I asked a lot of questions. I'm very inquisitive. But at the end of the day, I had to figure things out on my own, and I had to make my own decisions, and I had to live with the consequences. So it was difficult from that standpoint in terms of bumping my head from the mistakes that I made. But at the same time, there was a constant challenge in front of me every single day. And I knew that every challenge that I overcame Eventually, it was making me a better person, better person, a better businessman, and it was getting me one step closer to my goal of becoming a full-blown business owner and having something that I could call my own right? sure. that wasn't just a job. So I embraced that challenge, and I got courage and, and fuel in the tank from just learning, okay. right, and just learning and just going on to that next step. Like my grandmother always say, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. So I embraced that and, and, and that's you know kind of how I overcame the challenges. So can you tell us a little bit about your first deal? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, my first deal was uh, totally like, you know, unplanned, right? So um, I got the, um, I used to always get the, the newspaper, right? And I would always read the real estate section, the daily and the Sunday paper. So one day, I think it was like a Tuesday, I was reading the daily paper and they had an article in there in the real estate section about a sheriff's sale auction that goes on every it goes on every other week to twice a month. And it, it said that, that that's where the foreclosures go. Right. So I thought to myself, OK, I'm in real estate. I'm learning. I'm trying to get into investment properties. 
the worst thing that can happen is I will go down there and learn something, how this process works. Maybe I meet some people, right? So I went to the auction. Um, I sat on like the third row because I wanted to be up close. I wanted to be able to hear everything and see everything. And so I had my little list and I'm looking through it. And the second property on the list, um, the auctioneer started reading. I started to bid off at $3,000. And I thought like, man, something's got to be off here. This can't be right. $3,000. I mean, that's dirt cheap for a house. I mean, is it really a house or just like a piece of land or something? And so I looked at the deal, looked at the list and it had an address and everything. I said, it's a house. So it started off at $3,000. Nobody said anything. The room was quiet. So I had my little number card and I just raised it up. I was like, $3,000, I'll take it. The guy says, $3,000, going once, going twice. And somebody else started bidding. And see, that's how it works <laughs> yeah. in the auction, right? When somebody right. else sees there's interest, then they say, like, oh, it must be worth something if he's bidding on it. So anyway, it goes back and forth for about 10 minutes and it got up to about $7,000. And my, in my mind, I was saying, like, I'm done at this point. I'm not going past $7,000. And when he got to the seven, nobody else bid after that. And he said, sold. Congratulations, right, to me. And he looked at me, he said, what's your number? I gave it to him. He said, sold, and wrote it down. And I just sit there, like, in quiet. I couldn't hear anything else in my mind. I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, what just happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even stay for the rest of the auction. I got up, and I was just walking out, and I got to the back of the room. And this attorney tapped me on my shoulder. He said, hey, I need your information. I'm the attorney on the case for the plaintiff. And I want to make sure this transaction goes smooth for you. He said, you have 24 hours. You need to put 10% down, which is like $700. I need that in the, in the uh, deposited within the court by tomorrow. And then in two weeks, we're going to confirm the sale. You need the other you know, $6,000, whatever, $300. And I was like, all right, great, man. Sure, here's my number. It's my car. Boom, boom, boom. Left, got in my car. I'm driving back home. I'm like, man, what did I just do? Where am I going to get this $7,000? Because I didn't have the money. Right. I didn't have the money. Where am I going to get this $7,000 from? So I went home, um, I stayed up all night, I didn't sleep. I woke up that morning and I just started scratching my head, like, man, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? So I said, I wonder if the court would take credit cards. This idea came to my head. So I had a credit card, it had like a $10,000 limit on it. I called down to the court and I said, hey, you guys accept credit cards? They was like, no, we don't accept credit cards. So I called a credit card company, I said, is there any way that I can get this money? I have an emergency, I need some cash, is there any way I can get this money off the credit card? They said, yeah, well, we have this thing called a cash advance. You can withdraw the cash from the credit card. Now, it's going to cost you about 30%, 29.9, something, whatever. I was like, I don't care. I don't care. Just how can I get the cash? So they sent me to where to go to the bank to withdraw the cash. Um, I got the money out, went down to the court, paid the money two weeks. I was a proud owner of a dump of a house. It was it was garbage. It was three-bedroom, one-bath. It was trashed out. Uh, I think the ceiling was uh, caving in. But... Um, that was my first investment property experience, to answer your question. And uh, long story short, it took me about six months to get the house remodeled. I pretty much liquidated everything that I own, all my personal um, assets and everything. I pawned a lot of stuff just to pour into that house to get it get it ready. And luckily at the time, um, Chase Bank was doing cash out refinances on investment properties. Okay. So after I got it completely done, I went to Chase and got it refinanced at like 90% of the appraised value. I got all my money back that I put into it, plus another seven or eight thousand dollars, and that was the start of my real estate investing career. Did that become a rental for you? Then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I rented it out. So, and that's fascinating, by the way. And and what's what's funny is I'm laughing. Um, it's that's not uncommon, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some unusual ways that you go about that, 
but I've heard that from first-time investors is mm-hmm. you, you just don't know, right? right? Um, unfortunately, some people don't have the uh, capability mm-hmm. of figuring out how to get themselves out of that. And so you, you tend to have people fail at that. And then they right. think that's the only way. Oh, it's going to be this way every time, right. right? Like nobody can make money. I always love that. Nobody can make money, right? right? Um, so it's fascinating. How does that compare to a deal you would look at today? Back up. Yeah. How what what year was that? If we had to, that was a uh, two thousand and two. Okay. Yeah. So so here we are. What does a deal look like in comparison today when you go out and, and look at something? Yeah. So it's quite different because what I do today is I basically reverse engineer the entire thing. So through my obviously experience in education and knowing the business and knowing what I'm looking for, I already know um, what a good deal is what it looks like and if it's a good deal going into it by running my numbers, right? Um, obviously the goal in rental properties, you wanna make money, you want the properties to cash flow. So I, I run my numbers to make sure there's gonna cash flow. I know what's a good acquisition price in terms of value versus what I need to buy it for. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a um, very good idea of what I'm gonna have to put into the property from a renovation standpoint. So I run all those numbers and all those scenarios on the front side and then I make a decision whether I'm gonna buy a property or not. Versus just going and buying something on a whim and then trying to figure out all the details after, which right. is what I did a lot in the beginning because I just didn't know any better. Right. So, so what you what you've done is you've developed um, your playbook, exactly, if you will, exactly. right? And that, that makes it easier and sometimes cheaper. Exactly, right? a lot cheaper for sure. Right. So, I want to take a step back, um, and, and I have a reason, but in reading a little bit about you, um, you. It, you hinted that coming up in this world wasn't the easiest for you. Would, would you share that with us and, and tell us a little bit? Um, and the reason I want to know is um, I think it's important for people to understand that um, it's not so much where we come from, right? But share with us kind of your upbringing and how you got here to this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 sure. So my family is from a small town in Arkansas, population about 500, southeast Arkansas. And um, that's where I grew up as a kid. Um, you know, I'm the um, son of um, two very, um, very um, successful parents. Um, my mother and father had me at the age of 16. And um, they both had their own challenges growing up as kids. But for them to still, they're still together today. And obviously, I'm still here. And obviously, I'm, I'm very successful. And I have to attribute a lot of that to them, first and foremost. Um, but the challenges of growing up in an impoverished community, um, we left there. Fortunately, we were able to move out of there into Oklahoma City when I was 10. So I went from you know that type of environment to the big city of Oklahoma, right? It was big to me, maybe yeah. not to if you lived in New York or West Coast or something, right? It's different. Right. But for me, from where I came from, at the age of 10, moving to Oklahoma, it was a huge transition. And so I saw a lot growing up. Um, our family was, was, you know, we always had the things that we needed, but not necessarily the things that we wanted, obviously. Um, but the transition to the big city was a big culture shock for me. Um, growing up, again, in a low-income environment, predominantly um, African-American community, to, you know, a city where African-Americans at that time was like 7%. Um, I went to a predominantly all-white school uh, my entire um, elementary and high school years. Um, so that was that was a big adjustment for me, right? Trying to integrate with different cultures and things like that. Um, 
So, but at, at the heart of, of all of that, the humble beginnings and everything, I can always say that I always had core values that were taught to me at a young age from my grandparents and also from my parents, right? Knowing the difference between right and wrong, um, being able to make um, good character decisions, um, knowing how to stay away from trouble, knowing how to stay away from things that are going to lead you down the wrong path. I always, that was always instilled in me. Now, obviously, as you grow and go through adolescence, you do a lot of dumb things and you make a lot of mistakes. And I'm no different. I made a lot of mistakes. But coming out of those mistakes, the only way that I came out of those mistakes is getting back to my roots, right? Getting back to the things that um, I was taught as a kid, getting back to the things that my parents and my grandparents instilled in me. So it's, it's all of that that makes the DNA of who I am today. So when you ask me where I came, where I, where I come from, you know, it's, it's very simple. You know, I come from a very hardworking family, um, high integrity family. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where I always wanted to be an entrepreneur at, at the spirit since I was a kid. And it was that hardworking background that laid the platform for me. And um, I'm very grateful and very thankful for that, you know, because I know without that, then I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you today. That's right. And and I appreciate that. So, um, and I think that's important because often I, I, you know, we hear people talk about, well, you just can't make it, you can't do it. And sometimes I, re- I, I really I struggle with that, right, inside myself because I, I have somewhat of a similar background, um, but my my folks weren't together when I was sure. growing up. But um, what I want to know is, is today as the Brown group, as, as Toby sits here with me, you really, this is all about vision, right? Right. So what's the vision? What are you working on now? What are you excited about now? Um, so that 10 years from now, you're going to look back and see that stepping stone. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because we're going through a very uh, pivotal transition period right now in the business. So, um, as you know, I cut my teeth, you know, in a single family home space, buying houses and things of that nature. Um, and we, we also did later on um, in the maturity of the business, we got into commercial and things like that. But now we are we're completely shifting to uh, more of a services business. Right. So the focus is still on commercial real estate, but we're basically bundling up all of my experience in the maturity of the business and taking that and converting it to services. How can we bring value to the table? Um, with other like-minded and like-minded individuals, how can we do that and and assess, use that value to leverage it, right? Versus going out again, same concept from the houses, being an agent, having to pound the pavement, you know, go out, work with buyers and sellers, find these houses. Even now, as an investor, having to go out, find deals, talking with agents all the time, talking with other brokers, on the phone all the time. It's a lot of work, right? Now we're saying, okay, we already know how to do all of this stuff. What's the value? What's the tangible value of all that information? Okay, now let's just bring that to the table and see if we can leverage that. So our company is transitioning from the Brown Group, full service real estate company, to essentially Toby, Toby Inc. Okay. And the valuation of that and the services that spin off of that. And we got like, what, eight, nine businesses now that are spinning off of that Toby Inc. brand, which is an um, umbrella company. And I may be uh, disclosing that a little too soon, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it is what it is. Right. Uh, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, you, you and you see where this is going, where you want it to go. Yeah. And I was talking with your guys beforehand, and um, 
one of the things that I understand today, probably didn't understand it in my 20s and 30s. Um, we could argue I didn't understand it in my 40s. Sure. But um, one of the great parts about getting older is you realize that the key to success is really figuring out what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, um, and delegating, automating, or getting rid of Most the things that, that you don't want to be doing, right? Most definitely. And so you're building teams then for these different ventures. Right. Here's my, here's my question. I've been reading um, a little book recently that I think is interesting. Not new in, in I think, the, the messaging, but just a different way to deliver it. And, and it's, it talks about who is it that you want to be a hero to? Mm -hmm. And it really has me thinking about, you know, because you talked about value. Mm -hmm. And I use the word in our workshops about mission, mm -hmm. right? Because to scale properly, um, I know that we have to understand the problem that we're solving, mm -hmm. right? And, and really understanding who has that problem. Mm -hmm. So so if I asked you, I'm, and I'm asking you, yeah, yeah. who is it that you want to be a hero to? Yeah. Well, I would say off the top, my audience is young African-Americans, okay. um, because getting back to that um, transition as a young kid moving to Oklahoma City, um, there was not a lot of people that looked like me. Right. And when you start talking about success and aspiration and motivation, um, there weren't a whole lot of options. Right. My parents at home, I got inspiration from my parents and, and seeing them get up every single day and go to work. You know, to feed the family and put food on the table and a roof over our head. But outside of that, there was no one else that I could aspire to other than, you know, watching TV and seeing someone that I, you know, was a long shot of getting in front of a celebrity, right? right. Um, so for me, um, I would like to be a hero to young African-Americans that aspire to be great, that aspire to have their own business, that aspire to be successful in life and not be ashamed of it. See, that's the thing in our community growing up is that you know, we were taught um, it's okay to go out and get things, to make money, to have things, but don't show it to anybody. Right. Don't tell anybody about it. Don't let anybody know what you have. Keep it to yourself. Because if you if you reveal it, then you get the attacks, you get the jealousy, you get the hate. And that comes with success, right? Mm -hmm. You have to, as a successful business person, I don't care what you do, you have to embrace that. And it's not easy, but once you embrace it, you realize that it just comes with the territory. I don't know any successful businessman or woman that does not have haters or people that despise them or envy them. Yeah, that, um, that, that's normal. Yeah. And, and I think you hit on it. I think that that is one of those mental blocks mm -hmm. for people and why they don't pursue the things that are really in the back of their mind. Most definitely. It, it, and I think one of the things is once you realize that you don't have to be a hero to everyone. Right. Right. And you just the and you what you really defined is. What your ideal client looks like right. right the ideal person that you want to you want to mentor and, and do business with and you you threw those descriptions out there and that filters a lot of people away and, and and by default those people they're going to say well toby's not real or right. right but that's their that's their truth not yours exactly right? exactly exactly so that, that's Most definitely that's interesting well here so I know you've got your MBA. Education was important to you as well. I can tell that. But I think it's also important. I heard um, reference to, to Cardone's 10X. Right. So talk to me about education for you since you got out of school, since you got your MBA. Right. Um, because I think that's, whether it's a young African-American man, it, it's a lady, whatever. Today, education doesn't stop. 
right? And for many, it does. Tell me about that for you. Yeah. So I would say education for me, what it did for me is it instilled discipline in me, right? Um, when you're when you when you're doing post high school education, um, the only way that you can succeed is you have to show up, right? Right. You got to show up to class. You got to do the work. Um, and so it instilled that discipline in me that hey. There's a goal out front because I got an associate's degree. I, I got a basketball scholarship out of high school and I went to college for one year and I dropped out after the first year. I got homesick. Um, I wanted to just go back home and run the streets with my friends. I like completely lost focus as it pertained to school. So, um, you know, I got off track for about three years and then I eventually got back in school. But um, when I re-enrolled, I had to take baby steps. I got my associate's degree first. I didn't go, I wouldn't, I couldn't afford to go to a four-year school. So I went to junior college, got my associate's degree. I got some financial aid. I was able to get uh, into a four-year school. Um, fortunate for me, the company that I worked for at the time, they had a reimbursement program. So they paid for 90% of my education, allowed me to get my uh, bachelor's degree. Uh, and then they also paid 90% of my MBA. So there was some motivation there financially but it also gave me um, discipline, right? Every time when I got my associates, I got confidence that I can get the I can mm -hmm. go get the four year degree. When I got the four year degree, it gave me confidence. Hey, I can get an MBA. So in the back of my mind, I still was 20, 30 percent tied with the corporate world, thinking that this degree could benefit me some way in that space. Um, ultimately, I chose to go out for my own. But the education gave me the discipline that I can pretty much do anything I wanted to once I locked down and focused on it. So I say there's two educate there's the education in school in the classroom and then there's the hard knocks education that I've learned as a business owner. To be truthful with you, I would take the hard knocks any day over the classroom stuff. Yeah. Right? Right. So um, you know, there's I mean it's just it's 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 nothing like it. Learning on the job, going through the actual experiences of in business, you learn so much, things that they don't teach you in school. Um, did I have I been able to apply some of my um, degrees in my business? Sure, there's certain things in business, financing, um, you know, uh, economics, all of that stuff. I've been able to apply some of that in business, but majority of who you see today sitting here as a businessman, I'm telling you that it's eighty percent hard knocks. Absolutely, yeah, and that's where you. There's nothing like getting punched in the face and yeah. having to stand up and, yeah. and get through it, right? Absolutely. This has been great. Listen, so I, as we're coming to the end of this, what advice would you give to somebody who was entrepreneurial and wanted to do their thing today? You know, kind of looking back, using your experience, what advice would you share with that, that person? Yeah. Well, I would say, first of all, whatever it is you want to do, whatever type of business it is, figure out how you're going to make money know exactly how you're going to make money out the gate because a lot of people get stoked up about just being able to say that they own a business and they'll go out and just you know open a business sign a lease and start trying to run a business without really knowing if they're going to make money or not because you're just so stoked and so hyper right but you need to know how you're going to make money out the gate um, secondly think big dream big um, a lot of reason why people don't make it or survive in business because they just simply think too small Right. Um, you have to think business, big in business because we live in a world now um, with the technology and social media. As you talked about, things move so fast. Information moves so fast. 
And if you're not thinking big, if you're not two, three, four steps ahead of the curve, then um, it's so easy to get off track and fall behind. So those are the really the two pieces of advice that I would give. You know, know how you're going to make money out the out the out the gate, and and think big. All right, so I'm going to ask you one more question. Yeah, yeah. Then, then we'll we'll get towards the end. What has you most excited right now? And I know we talked about kind of your vision and things. Yeah. But what what's number one on your mind right now that's got you pretty pumped? Yeah, <laughs> you know this may uh, sound a little egotistical, but the thing that's got me so pumped right now is just just me. Just the person that I've evolved to and the inspiration that I provided to so many people. Um, it's unbelievable the amount of um, inquiries and direct messages and, and the people that reach out to us every single day because of the things that I've been able to do that I used to tr ride under the radar to a certain degree and not reveal so much. But ever since I got above that radar and start saying, just being transparent about my business, about my life. Um, there's so many people, man, and just every day. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. could be something simple that I share about what's going on in my apartment. Thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate them. It's done so much for me. So that's what I get excited about every single day. And it's actually the fuel in my tank, right? They don't, they don't know it, but right. it's actually what's driving me. It's like, man, I got to get up today. Even when I don't want to take that meeting or even when I don't want to, um, take that next step towards my own success. I'm like, man, I got a lot of people watching me, counting on me, <laughs> you know. And so I, it's at the point where, I mean, obviously I can't give up because I've come too far. But just knowing that I have so many people um, that are watching me and they're encouraged every single day by what I do, yeah. that's what gets me pumped. And they want you to be successful. That, yeah. That's the thing is, you know, I think one of the things, and we talk about this all the time, is you have to be around a community of people mm -hmm. that want to be successful, have that mental piece to it as well. Because if you're going to think big, if you're going to go big, you're not going to do it with people that are thinking small. Oh, most definitely. Right. Most definitely. Higher, higher, higher people will take you higher and they have to be on that same frequency. That's right. Right. That's so. Right. Well, this has been great and I appreciate you coming in. Um, it's been interesting. We've, this is the first time we've had any video. So I'm just, I'll, I'll yeah. say that. So, yeah. um, a little nerve wracked today, but if somebody wants to learn more about what you're doing, if they want to connect with you. Yeah. What's the best way for somebody? So hopefully they listen today sure. and they're like, I want, I want to learn more sure. about this guy. Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, we're all, I'm all over social media. My handle is It's Me Toby Inc. It's Me Toby Inc. I-N-C. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn um, with, with that handle. Um, TobyInc.com on my website. You can reach me there directly. Um, and we have a lot of uh, coaching pro programs, mentorship programs, um, just really trying to help the entrepreneur the, uh, the millennials and, and that next generation get to the next level. Fantastic. Well, man, thank you very much. Um, I have a suspicion that we're going to see big things from you. So I, I hope you're uh, right, my I, friend. I think truly the tagline is we're just getting started. Yes. And I suspect that that's true for you. So, guys, this is Rick Hadrava. You've been listening to another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in. And until next time, uh, keep moving forward. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started.